Welcome to the Wisdom Talk Radio Show, bringing you insight, illumination, and inspiration in service to the world. We are a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living, conscious business, conscious relationships, conscious community, and conscious evolution. Hello and welcome. This is Gathanjali Hemp, and today I'm here speaking with Melanie Dewberry. Um, we're going to be speaking today about indigenous wisdom. And Melanie is one of the most wonderful, rich, wise, um, magical women I've ever met. Melanie works with people to help them remember who they are in their highest, most holy self. She weaves together her Native American wisdom with her highly attuned intuition to help people reach their own spiritual alchemy. She spent 18 years as a coach. She was a leader with the Coaches Training Institute for 10 years. She taught coaching around the world, including to inmates in two different prison systems. She now works with private clients who want more spiritual agility, purpose, and meaning. For those men and women who are willing to dig deep and fly high, she offers private one-on-one retreats in Albuquerque near her native elders or private one-on-one sessions at a distance wherever you are. She has given two TED Talks, including The Power of Naming which is also the title of her forthcoming book with Hay House. I'm thrilled to be here today with you, Melanie. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing well. I'm also thrilled to be here with you and your audience. Thank you for having me, Chanjali. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about our talk today and about talking about indigenous wisdom and your perspective and knowing within that. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah, so... um, I believe, you know, and I said this in the Power of Naming TED Talk I did a few years ago, I believe that we're all indigenous. Um, and I think that we forget about our indigenous nature. And when I talk about indigenous, the word indigenous means that it's native to a certain area. And, and that in that area, whatever that is, whatever, you know, the flower, the dirt, the person grows, that they belong to the earth and they belong to that earth in this specific place and um, when you're native you um you thrive you you because you belong there you're in harmony with what's around you and so i think we have forgotten about our indigenous nature and i'm not necessarily talking about lineage whether you're irish or scottish or lebanese or native american or african-american or or any of those um those are beautiful things to follow but i'm more talking about meaning your indigenous nature as a human being to this beautiful mother earth and um, and who you are in relationship to every single person and every single thing on this planet. So that's where I'm thinking of starting this conversation. That's such a wonderful and rich place. And, you know, I hear you speaking about belonging and, and you and I have talked about this in the past and, and it has sparked so much, um, so much deepening me in me in different ways. And I'm wondering if you can say a little bit more about belonging. Thank you. Um, so, I, you know, Jatanjali, you've heard me say many times that we belong to one another. And um, this, again, is, is in sync with the Indigenous conversation that I was just having, that, you know, we really do belong to one another. And I don't think because we've forgotten our Indigenous nature, or our Indigenous roots, our sense of belonging to this earth and to all life on this planet and to one another, we get lost. You know, um, early in my coaching career, I worked with a lot of um, people who wanted to leave corporate America and 
one of the things I really noticed about working with people in corporate and working with people in the prison system is that they were hungry. They were hungry to be seen and known first to themselves and then other people. And I think what happens in this, in the absence of that knowing that sense of belonging, people were just like, you know, having affairs with each other in the office and acting out irrationally it's like we're so hungry to be known we'll take whatever measure is the easiest whether it's being obnoxious or being submissive or having the affair we're so hungry to be loved and to belong that we reach for the closest thing and it's because we've forgotten and that the reason why we've forgotten in my little humble opinion is that we've it's been spanked out of us i mean every institution every every cartoon is about teaching young people who then become older people to comply and to behave and to follow line and, and to submit and to ignore your eccentric or your different or your unique nature, which is what makes you indigenous to where you are. And to forget that is complexing uh, for people and disturbing. And so what happens is we get disenfranchised with ourselves and then ultimately with each other. And so we do belong to one another. And that's not just a lovely statement it's actually the truth but and without it we become these um just kind of these shooting stars that have no real um place to hang at night we have no brilliance at night we're just kind of flying hoping that we'll land someplace that will touch something of relevance in our life but um without belonging to each other what we settle for is clubs we we're we're hungry for community we're hungry for tribe but what we set up for is clubs and in clubs what we end up having is likeness we join we join people thoughts systems that are like us so that we feel a sense of unity but clubs aren't diverse they aren't really communities they aren't really tribes and we don't really belong we only belong in the clubs of sameness whatever those are until we become different and then when we're different we're ostracized when we truly, really accept belonging to one another, when we feel as though we belong, we really get to be our unique, individualistic, indigenous nature and to really hone our indigenous wisdom. And whoever we become is honored by the tribe, by the community, um, by the people that we belong to, and it's not feared. That's a long conversation. Go wherever you want with that one. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many places I was thinking while you were speaking and um, so much of what I was thinking you started to speak to, which is just so beautiful. And I love, I love how much I feel on a similar page with you. And there's definitely this place where um, what I'm hearing you say is that it, it, it is something about feeling rooted and feeling like mm-hmm. um, a connection to tribe and community, but in a very authentic way with the fullness and expression of who we are. And I think my question for you or where I'd like to go is, is, is a genuine curiosity that I have. Like the old ways of community and tribe are gone. And you're saying that there's these clubs that are kind of the current way people are trying to make sense of things. And I'm just wondering what you see as a potential for the future. What happens if and when people begin to really embrace their belonging to the earth and to one another now in this context of this time here? What will happen? Is that your question? Yeah. Like, what do you, what do you have an imagining or a vision for what that would look like and what that could be like? Yeah. You know, um, so the way we use the word in, in the Native American circles, we say creator and 
some people call it Allah or God or whatever, whatever the word is for you. Um, it could be chocolate, you know, whatever's comfortable. Um, so for me, you know, when I, when I feel like I'm most belonging, I just was typing on a Facebook, a, a little message. And I said, you know, I, I'm learning, you know, still learning in the practice of dropping my judgments because judgments for me are a form of comparison. I only judge when I'm comparing, right? And um, I'm comparing myself to someone or something. And that judgments and comparison are an act of violence. They are an act of violence on the person I'm judging. Their comparison is an act of violence of me. It's it's a thief of compare. It's a thief of joy. And so when when I'm in this place of belonging, when I'm there, I am seeing every life, all life, human beings, plant, animals, as my allies, as my as my family, as my extended family, and as as I know this is going to sound so airy fairy, but and, you know, I'm going to say it anyway, because it's so true for me, is that there is my, there is my ability is present to love my brothers and sisters. And so there's no room, there's no room for the death of, of comparison. There's no room for the death of judgment, because that's what those are. Those are acts of violence that bring death. And, and I don't mean that in a, in a, like a knife, I mean it more as a metaphor, as a knife stabbing. It's, it's a form of death of love, right? And so what I see for us, what I see what is available is the ability to really source love without having to um, make it dramatic or make it intimate or sexual, to really love one another, to, to look into another human being and, and diligently see them as your family. Um, it doesn't mean we like all people's behaviors. It doesn't mean that, you know, everything's, you know, copacetic. It just means that we're practicing being in love more than we're practicing judgment or shame or comparison um, or even boundary work. Someone was talking to me about boundaries the other day, you know, and I've done a recording on boundaries I really liked, but if I had to do it over again, I would say to someone, you know, really boundaries are um, not really necessary when you belong to one another. Um, we, you know, we, we teach that boundaries are a healthy thing to establish, and that's only because of our over-identification and our over-sensory um, experience with being independent. When we, are, when we negotiate, negotiate ourselves as independents, um, as we do, and I don't mean that being independent thought um, or independent speech, I mean independent meaning separated, then we need boundaries. We need boundaries because then we're stuck in this human form. We're not in our high holy nature. We're not in our indigenous nature and we're not coming from our indigenous wisdom of belonging. Again, go anywhere you want with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I love the conversation about boundaries. And sometimes I think that, you know, boundaries are necessary only until we know who we are and can embody that fully. So it's kind of like, almost like scaffolding, right? In in process. And um, you were saying that you were, you were speaking of that death as metaphor and killing each other and things. But, you know, sometimes I I look at the world and I look at some of the things that are happening and there is real death happening. There's real violence happening. And, and I don't think it's separate from this conversation you're, you're bringing to us today. And I think that actually the ramifications are very real and there is real death that, that transpires um, because of this. Um, lack of mm-hmm. yeah lack of connection lack of community and 
And sometimes what I consider is um, just the relational quality that you're speaking of and that feeling interconnected with the web of all life and just how solid and supportive that can feel and what a gift that would be to allow ourselves. It's, and it's, you know, I'd love to hear your thought on this, Chitanjali, cause, and it's threatening. It is, it's a threatening concept um, or an impractical one for some or a, a woo-woo, you know, airy-fairy thing, somebody might call it, for those who um, have over-identified themselves with the sense of the ego and, and then what they think they get from that. It's very threatening to, at least in North America, how we currently operate, you know, uh, whether it's capitalism, and I sound like, you know, I'm some sort of left-wing whatever. I mean, I don't really know about capitalism very much, but it does threaten that sense of hierarchy of, of the haves and the have-nots and the, you know, um, and racism. It's very threatening to those people who benefit, who believe that they benefit from things as they are. Yeah. And I think, I think what you're saying is also that there's those external things that are that way. And there's also the internal things that feel threatened in those ways. And, um, and then the fascinating thing is that really, as we move down this path, I think what we tend to find is that there's more freedom. There's more freedom to be more of who we are actually and be supported in that. And that, that's such an amazing realization to come through once the resistance has been laid down. Yeah, and it could be a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a mug, mug, uh, a mug uh, slinging brawl because really what you're fighting, in my mind, is the ego. And what do you call that in your world? Is it ego or? I mean, I think sometimes the ego gets a bad rap, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's parts. Like I'll speak with, about it as different parts, like the resistant parts or the controlling parts or different things like that. But yeah, I think, I think in lay, lay, lay language, it would be ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. So let me, let me just kind of bring it back to something simple because I think I went way out and I want to come back in um, and say it this way, um, that anybody who's listening, you belong, you belong to this world. You belong to yourself. You have a divine right to be celebrated in your uniqueness, your nativeness, your indigenous sense of self. And um, to root yourself back into this earth and to walk with only the swagger and only the language that you that you have, that you add something beautiful in this tapestry called life. And to know that you belong without having to prove it or earn it um, and just to be it. And so how does one how does one become belonging? You know, sometimes can be the question, how do I, how do I become belonging? Um, and I don't have a clear answer for that. Um, but I think you could start with believing it. So let me, let me make it even break it down a little bit more. You know, when I started um, downloading, I'll call it that, these kinds of concepts, these thinking, what was true for me was that um, I needed to experience for myself what it was to belong, what it was to be loved into this world. You know, um, I, I, I came into this world um, knowing I was loved, but then, you know, uh, 
you know, I was black and we came to San Francisco and everybody wanted us out of the neighborhoods. So they all signed a petition and there was someone calling in death threats to my father and someone trying to hose me down on the way to school every day. And, you know, and that kind of, that stayed with me. We all have wounding, right? We, all, we each have our own wounding, some, sometimes multiple. And, and the wounding will take, will unchain us from our belonging. It will, it will take our hand out of the hand of the other, out of the hand of the world. And it will, it will remove us from this place of belonging. And we start just kind of floating, trying to figure out how to put ourselves back together. But, when we, but our stories keep coming from the wounding. It, at least that was my case. You know, my identity came from the wounding. I didn't feel safe. You know, how do I make myself safe? How do I make myself liked? How do I make myself? And, I, and we settle for being liked. And, um, and so it took, you know, a few decades for me to kind of really get how, how the start of my life had created the rest of my life. And that there wasn't any more I could do to make the world comfortable with me. And, and then, of course, you know, as you grow and you, you know, developing stuff, you know, I realized that the world wasn't trying to be comfortable with me, but that I was trying to remember who I was. And so how do I remember who I am? How to remember that I belong here, that I belong standing next to each individual person, next to each individual plant, that I am love and that I am loved and that I'm, that I've been woven into this incredible tapestry. How do I bring myself back into this tapestry instead of a snag in the sweater that I felt like I was? I didn't feel like I was really threaded in anymore. Um, and so for me, it, it started with, um, honestly, Jatanjali, a practice of um, getting on the Native American spiritual red road. And for me, it was, um, it was prayer. And I thought for a long time I was praying to somebody. But what I now know is that I was praying through my own consciousness. I was, I was becoming the prayer that, that the prayer wasn't words I was sending out for someone to do for me anymore, that actually I was the prayer and that I was praying myself into belonging. I don't know if you could follow me on that. Jatanjali. let me know if I need some more work around that conversation. No, I can totally follow you, follow you. And I think it's like, as consciousness changes, prayer becomes, um, invocation it becomes embodiment yeah yeah and it, it starts as prayer yeah it, that's how it started for me it was yeah it was very much in the sweat lodge because and then I realized oh no no I've I'm I'm becoming the prayer yeah. so I became the love I sought for I became the assurance I thought I needed and then I became the woman who belonged instead of the woman who searched to fit in Mm. bit of an upgrade <laughs> yeah when you said that I became the woman the woman that belonged I just got chills I can just it's beautiful and that's what I want to extend to your listeners that um you know don't work too hard at it but um it, whatever thought you have that's positive for you in this world become that thought make it a prayer make it a prayer that you can become and become that prayer without without the prayer becoming something obligatory just just breathe it and be it and if it soothes and loves you then it is salve and medicinal property for the rest of us and that that will start to forge your own indigenous wisdom that will start to bring you closer to your own fire within that will start to bring you closer to your earth within and that will start to bring you into a place of belonging unto yourself and then ultimately to all the rest of us 
just don't make it too much work. Don't try to make it right. Just breathe it into your being and, and let it become you. Let the prayer, let the thought inform you instead of you trying to inform and impress it. Don't do it too much. Just let it become you. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Melanie. I'm wondering, I'm sure after hearing all of this conversation, there'll be people who are interested in learning more and finding out ways to connect with you and work with you. And I'm wondering what some of your offers are or where they can find you. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, well, you can find me in a couple of ways. Um, actually, my website's the easiest, which is my name, MelanieDuberry.com. Can you spell that for us real quick? Oh, sure. It's M-E-L- a N I E, and my last name is Do Like a Dewdrop, Berry Like a Strawberry, Dewberry.com. And my email is very similar, courage at melanie.dewberry.com. And in terms of offerings, I'm, um, I do hold private solo retreats. So, what that means is a client will come to me and want to get some pretty extensive clarity and depth, and we'll do it for three or four days in Albuquerque near my elders land at this beautiful retreat spot I have. And we just go right into the soul and um, do a reunification. So we, we can do that. Or sometimes I work with um, clients coaching one-on-one -on -one at a distance on the phone. Um, and then where there are um, retreat groups that I offer every year with um, multiple people come one of the one we did this year is called the dark dangerous and beautiful group where we work on um, reclaiming what's dangerous but needed in the world, which is basically bringing your fire into the world. And uh, so those are three things that people can do to engage um, with themselves and with me with their deeper spiritual work. That's wonderful. They sound incredibly intriguing. I would love to find out more myself. So thanks so much for being here with us today. It was an honor and a pleasure to speak with you. And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening. And we will speak with you again very soon. Thank you, Jatanjali, for having me. <laughs> thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook. <laughs>